everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this episode, we cover Mandy and John Wick. Yes, this is a fun episode. I feel like they're almost too close for it to be a fun episode, but it's a fun episode for a few reasons. One being that one is about a dog where the other one's about a woman. And <laughs> another reason being that one is a you know a high action movie and the other one is a psychedelic horror film. Um, but yeah, these are the same movie. Um, <laughs> so these are both... If we if we if we want to go with you know the this the same description, these are both movies about a man who has been living peacefully with his wife that he's in love with, um, and some very entitled people break into his home and kill a beloved family member in front of his eyes and leave him unconscious and beaten and then he goes on a rampage and kills everyone okay um mandy isn't red's wife it's his girlfriend oh okay so we're married no and, and <laughs> when john wick's wife dies on the day like the day after she's buried he gets a, a puppy named daisy yeah to mourn with him with mm-hmm. the loss of his wife yeah they're both both movies about grief. Yeah. Largely about grief and, and about mourning. And the the healthy way that men deal with grief <laughs> is through f- acts of physical <laughs> violence. Um, I think it's a catharsis thing. Yeah. I think 100%. it's a like this is what grief feels like. This is what it feels like you want to do when you're grieving. Yeah. It's know? killing um cult members with chainsaws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mandy to me is an absolute masterpiece. It's yes. made by our boy uh, Elijah Wood. It's not made by him. He's a, he's a producer. He's a it. producer. <laughs> our boy's a producer. Our other boy uh, Nicholas Cage does as Red Miller, mm-hmm. the uh, recovering alcoholic log um, lumberjack. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's the closest. If you haven't seen Mandy, obviously spoilers, um, but. The only thing that I could describe this as for somebody who has no idea would be watching a edgy 80s hair metal band music video cranked up to 11. Mm, I was going to say um, a heavy metal band album cover art yeah. turned into a movie. Yeah, it's... Um, there, there was a bunch of novels that I think, oh, not novels, they're comics that came out in like the 70s and 80s called Heavy Metal. Mm. And there was a movies made out of it, but they were always like animated. But this is like Heavy Metal if it was a, a, a like a live action movie. Um, everything is over the top. Um, is it on Earth? You don't know. Because like there are weird... Solar objects. There are certainly implications that by the end of the movie we are in hell. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I Mandy is a movie that I. It's very complicated for me because I think it is 
genuinely one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But I also find it very hard to recommend people because it's incredibly gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very hard to describe what what happens in it. It um, is not the kind of movie if hypothetically you had a club with a bunch of people who like watching movies. <laughs> um, that people went to and you're like, oh yeah, what's the movie going to be? And you saw the credits of this role and you'd be like, oh no, this is a large demographic of people that are not <laughs> like directly my friends. Yeah. It would be a, a bit jarring to the old um, it's sense and sensibility such, of a lot of people. Such a fantastic movie though. Um, but like, I mean, you know, like I can't imagine my mom sitting down to watch Mandy. Sorry, Mum, it's not a, a Barry Manilow movie, despite <laughs> the name. Um, I, but I think it's a fantastic film. I think that anyone anyone could watch this movie and appreciate it. Yeah. But I think it's a very hard sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially, you know, since it's, it's pitched as a horror. Um, you know, it's an indie budget, low budget horror by Spectre Vision. Um, and... It's just so out there. The the thing about John Wick um, that I will mention that I don't know if you know or have looked at, audience probably don't know, um, it was a real labor of love project for Keanu because um, he basically hired his friends who happened to be the stunt coordinator and the stuntman from his, when he was the in Matrix. The Matrix. Yeah. And, you know, it, it takes a big name but, like, it's a massive series now. But it could have been a massive flop. It would be just like, oh, yeah. this is like a... Um, and it wasn't a sure thing that Keanu was going to be John Wick. Yeah. It's not like it was written for him. Yeah. It was written... Um, it was actually originally written as a much older character. Yeah. Um, so that they wanted, you know, an older actor. And then even after that, like, the list of names of people that considered for the role is ridiculous, including Nicolas Cage. So yeah. we, could have, we could have been comparing two Nick Cage films. I think <laughs> oh, Keanu I Reeves I was the perfect yeah. casting. He is an amazing person. Yeah. Um, I have put, like, because you, you'll mention it later, but I have watched his training videos mm. where he goes to a shooting range and they are special forces level good. Yep. Oh yeah, so he so he did. I mean, we can mention it now. He trained with Navy SEALs and with a SWAT team in Los Angeles. Yeah, and he trained to the point that they had to kind of tone it down because he was too good, and he was like reloading magazines quicker than soldiers can do with with like actual live shooting going on. Yeah. Um. So they had to. They literally were like, no, he's too good. <laughs> he's too good to be on. Like, and there's things like there's such weird facts about this movie like there's a there's a big fight sequence through a um a, a nightclub and he learned the choreography that morning shot that all in one day while he had a 104 degree fever yeah that's insane yeah. <laughs> he's an absolute beast um yeah. i love him to bits and, and unfortunately you know, un unlike Willem Dafoe, who I cannot name a singular bad performance that he's ever done, mm -hmm. Keanu's done a few. Yeah, and like likewise with Nick Cage, yeah. who, who's our protagonist in Mandy. Yeah. Mandy's such an amazing movie to watch. It's yes. so out there. I think it's not only just the framing of some of the cinematography, it's also the weird colour shifts you get. Because yeah. it's not... 
you know, this this movie has a lot of dark, dark blacks in it. But um, at the same time, it's also contrasted by, like, blinding white. Yes, absolutely. And the weird red tone shift that it does when you're sort of, like, seeing something that's otherworldly. Mm. And it is so unbelievably up, like off-putting yeah. because you're watching them and you're like is it is this really happening is this like a hallucination and it's like yes that is the answer is yeah, it really yeah. happening or is it a hallucination the answer is yes yes um yeah it's funny because i was thinking about it more watching this i've only seen mandy once before right um and that was in the somewhere in the couple of months between us meeting for the first time and us dating because you gave it to me to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we were dating. Love at first, Mandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a good movie. Um, but, so, like, I haven't seen it since then. Also, this is a, a side note from what I was going to say. But, like, I'm not very good at remembering character names and things. But I knew and remembered that Nick Cage's character's name is Red. Yeah. It's never mentioned, mentioned in the movie. Mentioned in the movie, yeah. So, I don't know how I remember that. But, anyway. Um... I think Mandy gets a lot of praise for the cinematography, yeah. rightly so, and yeah. for the score, again, yeah. rightly so. But, like, I was thinking about it watching it this time, and I was like, the lighting is fantastic. Yeah. The um, visual effects, both practical and, you know, the post-production compositions of, like, where they're, um, you know, making it look like you're in the middle of an acid trip or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fantastic. The costuming and makeup is fantastic. The acting across the board, yeah. fantastic. And there's some great Irish actors in there. You've got um, Alwyn Fuere and uh, Ned Dennehy are both in it. Um, and the writing is amazing. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever, you know, because I didn't take that many notes watching it. But, like, I feel like in all the time doing this podcast, I haven't had such a percentage of my notes be just quotes because there's so many lines that are just iconic and it's just like banger after banger yeah, after yeah. banger in the dialogue um and it's just so well done and there's like and it's so ridiculous and dramatic and there's like you mentioned the chainsaw sequence there's a sequence where nick cage picks up a chainsaw to go kill someone and the guy turns around with a bigger chainsaw yeah. and you have a chainsaw fight yeah it's just like totally over the top, ridiculous movie, um, and every single aspect of it works. It's just perfectly made. I have one gripe. Okay. Okay. What is it? So, um, for context within the movie, after um, Mandy is is executed via like witch burning. Um, he forges himself a battle axe. Mm -hmm. Now, he, I don't, so he, the only information you really get about the character is he's a lumberjack and like a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. He makes a mold mm -hmm. and he pours steel into it. Right. And then he hammers that steel and like grinds it and, and. Like, as a person who watches a lot of weapons manufacturing videos on YouTube, it is, like, one of the demographics I tend to fall into a rabbit hole with, and mm -hmm. I could literally sit there and watch uh, Michael Cthulhu for 
you know, nine hours straight. Yeah. Uh, most people want Morgan Freeman narrating their life. I want Michael Cthulhu narrating <laughs> my life. I love him to bits. You don't so much because he's Irish and... and um, do, do I have a problem with Irish people? No, I'm just saying this because it's just like whenever... Because I went on a big binge recently. Right. And you were just like, I can't stand it. What couldn't I stand? I, I, I just oh, okay. I think it was just that you were that I just didn't understand why you were watching so many YouTube videos you'd already watched. That's probably it. You don't like <laughs> I it don't. With... I don't have a problem with him. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. Um, Though I do, I I would being an Irish person myself, I wouldn't want an Irish person narrating my life. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's the one gripe that annoys me is when he builds his battle axe, which is ridiculous. Um, it's it's it, based on um, the letter F in uh, Celtic Frost, I think is their name. It's a metal band, th their logo. Um, <laughs> it's very specific. There's a weird movie, and I'm going to look it up, and I think the name of it is Kroll. Um, bear with me for two seconds. Um what were you going to say about it? Uh, it remind the the weapon reminds me of how ridiculous um, the the weapon he makes is. Is it Krull? Yeah, yeah, it is Krull. Uh, plot. There's a special weapon that someone only can use in here. Um, it basically is. Oh, I can't find it off the top of my head, but it's basically like a shuriken, but it's got five bladed points on it mm. that like so it's like a star right like a throwing weapon and like the chosen one is the only person who can wield it and i think they take the piss out of it in south park and jesus uses it to kill somebody and like because like the whole thing is he like catches us behind his back and stuff probably because okay. it would be physically impossible to catch so if you actually saw it on screen it would look ridiculous um but yeah, it just reminds me of the weapon from Krull, like horribly over, like over-engineered, and someone yeah. who doesn't know about weapons making it. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't even use it that much in the end. He throws it from really far away. Oh yeah, that's a great shot. And it stabs the dude in the head, and yeah, it's yeah. a very like Sin City esque death where you just see the silhouette of the giant like two-handed battle axe sticking out of the guy's head and just yeah, blood yeah. squirting everywhere. But like other people, he kills with, uh, you know, he shoots them with crossbow. He runs them over with his car. He stabs them with a like a Stanley blade. He beats someone up with a pipe. He, he does. <laughs> he, he has does, the chainsaw thing. He does know. execute like Sans right hand man with it. Right. He like just punches him in the face and he slumps against a tree and then you just get this yeah, really yeah. long drawn out scene of him um, stabbing it into his mouth and it's, it's like, like Brother Swan. It's yeah. Played by Ned Dennehy. It's and a, just the blood. That's great. Yeah. That's ho horrifying. Yeah, that's great. But it's even like it's the like the handle of it that he's shoving that is right. Yeah. Right? yeah. Every edge of that thing is a is an is an instrument and yeah. it's just it, yeah. Um, As a person who loves medieval weaponry and and martial arts weaponry, it is it is the one gripe I have with the movie. It's just like, well, like you said, it's based on a a rune runic. Um, it's it's based on a letter in a in a band logo. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like you know the way the metal bands look like. 
Bowlers are always weird, but I mean the the title card for Mandy is also clearly inspired by metal band logos. Yeah, all those ones that are impossible to read because they just get more and more into like pictures of tree roots. Or <laughs> um, so comparing these movies. Yeah, it's what we do. Yeah, it's they're what the podcast very do. similar. Um, they're obviously they're coming from totally different. Um walks of life because red i mean okay so the the let's get back to how they start so john wick um his wife has passed away and he's been gifted this puppy by her as a you know post posthumous gift to um have someone to grieve with and then these shitheads uh want his car so they show up to steal his car and they kill the puppy and then he's it turns out john wick is a retired assassin and yeah. he is very good at what he does um conversely in mandy um we've got mandy and red living out in the middle of the woods by themselves and this cult leader jeremiah sand sees, sees mandy and decides that he wants her the <sighs> house itself the cabin they live in is like a character yeah um not so much as, like, Serenity was in Firefly mm-hmm. or, you know, Enterprise and Star Trek or something along those lines. But, like, it's bizarre because it looks like it's made out of recycled materials, but the recycled materials being exclusively windows. <laughs> and it's always lit in, like, blues and purples. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird little house. It's, it's interesting, though, because, like, um, obviously, you know, we've, we've mentioned that Mandy, Mandy dies because she doesn't, basically want her to join the cult. She doesn't want to do it. She humiliates the guy and then he burns her alive. Yeah. Um, which is funny because this is the, the, makes this the second episode in a row we've done <laughs> where we've covered a Nicolas Cage movie where someone is burned alive. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so the, it's, it's very surreal when Red goes back into the house. After Mandy has been killed and the cultists have left. Yeah. Because it's just very normal in there. Yeah. When he's just, like, come in, he's just experienced the most horrific, traumatic event of his life. And he walks into the house and it's just, like, normal and it's playing this weird ad um, for... Oh, the, the cheese gobble? What was it? Cheddar, cheddar, cheddar goblin. Cheddar yeah. Do, do, do you know... I have no idea. There's, there's, Explain to me. There's some trivia about that, which is that the that Cheddar Goblin ad, which obviously made up for Mandy, not a real ad, was directed by the guy who directed Too Many Cooks. Oh my god. <laughs> um, which I don't know how to explain Too Many Cooks to people who haven't seen it. Just go, just go on YouTube and look up Too Many Cooks. Yeah. Um, it is a long video and it is worth every second of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, but I thought that was a fun bit of trivia about that. Mm. Also, like, makes total sense to me that that's the same person who made that. Um, but yeah, the house definitely plays a huge a huge role in the film. Um, I think to me, what what the scene the scene you're talking about because. Um, that's when he, like, finds his stash of alcohol that he had somewhere in the house. In the bathroom. Yeah, and he and he drinks it on the toilet in his underpants and, like, a shirt. And then he's just, like, screaming. And he had a screaming coach. 
And he's also messed up at this point because they like they use a ocarina to summon the the demon demon bikers. Demon bikers. The, um, what are they called? The black skulls. Yeah, and then give them super drugs mm-hmm. as an exchange for being the muscle. Yeah, and then they stab red. Sand stabs red. Stabs red. Jeez. Um, with <laughs> like, tongue twister just dropped. Yeah, with um, some sort of like demon weapon. Yeah, that was like glowing green and stuff. Yeah, and it had like an eyeball on the on the hilt, like not the hilt, the uh, the pommel of it. And yeah, it was and just... it's interesting because he's talking about Jesus when he does it, and then he stabs him in the under the ribcage, which is like the same... spear of Longinus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all very weird. Um, it is the perfect sort of shade thrown at the like new ish but also very prevalent in the 80s like cult of personality children of god that sort of you know churchy cult thing you know people are like oh well god came to me and told me that i'm jesus so you guys should follow me and then obviously all these people are like well clearly he's jesus because god said he was so yeah yeah now i'm gonna have sex with him um the yeah it's it's all very that whole sequence um where mandy and like just humiliates them is so unsettling when you watch it Mm. so i won't go into it here because obviously we'd had to add like several thousand um warning messages at the beginning you know beginning of this podcast but um yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be warning messages in the uh, in the show notes anyway. I mean, I always put them in if we talk about anything, and this is definitely a movie where we're talking or a, an episode where we're talking about violence a lot and yeah. death a lot, and you know, and unfortunately the dog does die. Yeah. <laughs> the action sequences in John Wick. Now that you bring it up, yeah, um, uh, so meticulously and well done. Mm. That there is no criticism. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. The red circle sequence for me, one, the music's fantastic. Like, I have a huge fan of the um, the three composers that were in it. Mm. Um, it's that kind of genre of music, um, similar to the soundtrack to Payday 2, because it just, like, you know, really amps up the whole thing. And it's that sequence, you know, going into the club and, you know, all the club guys, you know, people are dancing and whatever. And it's like a normal club. And then there's like the secret behind the scenes club. Yeah. And you have Alfie Allen um, running through. Lily Allen's useless little younger brother. Also yeah. Theon Greyjoy. Also, also Reek, you know, running through. And you have this, you know, like, it's not psychedelic, but it is very much a visceral beat that reminds me of like um without getting too graphic like sensual breathing okay that that you know that kind of you know beat all right um and then you you know this fantastic sequence of uh keanu being keanu and shooting a bunch of people but it's like the music to me is well he had a 104 degree fever yeah 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 (laughs) when he was actually acting um (laughs) And it's it's that sort of contrast to in Mandy where it is very much these long drawn out um, sort of 
hair on the back of your neck sticking up sequences where you get um, interesting um, time of uh, holding on shots mm. where it's not like the same, like, oh, we'll hold on the shot for one, two, three, move on. Like, it is very much a weird flow, almost like music again, mm. because there's some parts that are sped up and some parts that are slowed down, and you the your perception of time as the audience is all obscure because you're yeah. like... Is this taking place, like, in a singular night? Is this over multiple yeah. days? Like, he's been knocked out so many times he's, like, just been left in the woods for a day or two until yeah, he, like, recovers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really well... Like, that, that... Between the two movies really amplify everything. Mm. Um, yeah, the cinematography in both is fantastic, but yeah. Mandy does definitely stand out with a better cinematography, obviously, because you're trying to get action sequences done in a way that is safe for both parties mm. because obviously you know um with the controversy that happened recently with someone getting shot on and yeah. killed on on set um you know obviously the the firearms usage was very well looked after because i don't even think they're firing i think they're using if i remember correctly i might be wrong i think they're using gas blowback BB guns with no BBs in them. Okay. Because, um, obviously they look like real firearms. You can mm. buy them based on real firearms. They work and actuate the same as real firearms, yep. but obviously there's no, there's not, uh, not a blank. Yep. Um, I think that's what they were using for a lot of the pistol sequences. Right. Um, so then your, uh, your, editing team and your your cgi team can come in and add the plumes and yeah, the light yeah. and stuff um corridor crew corridor did a really well done edit of it where they made it look more realistic mm -hmm. um based on like what firearms do and that kind of you know situation but that's it's interesting because um you get a lot of loss of that with even uh camera frame rates and stuff yeah it's a very interesting thing, you know, filming anything that's moving it, you know, yeah. faster than the speed of sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because the cinematography um, in John Wick was apparently a lot easier than it often is in action things because the action was so good. Yeah. Because everyone doing it was really good at doing the stunts. Keanu Reeves did 90% of his own stunts and was yeah. fast to get it. You know, it's directed by, like you said, a stunt performer and a stunt um, director. Coordinator, yeah. Stunt coordinator. Um, so they didn't have to... They Because a, a lot of films will kind of cheat and do a lot of cuts to disguise, yeah. you know, bad action sequences. or you it's, know, it's And they didn't need to do that. They could just have these long shots. They didn't have anything to hide. It's the perfect example of this is um, watch... Just when you're on Google... Just go onto YouTube and type in, um, you know, uh, Jackie Chan climbing something mm -hmm. versus Liam Neeson climbing over a fence. Right. And Jackie Chan will, like, do a cool thing and be over it in, like, one movement. Yeah. Because it's, like, part of his body, part of his, you know, stunt performer life. And then you watch a Liam Neeson movie where he has to climb over, like, a waist-high 
like metal fence mm-hmm. and there's six cuts. Yeah, yeah. One will be his like leg going onto something, one will be his hand placing on top of it, one will be his leg going over the other side. Yeah. Another cut will be from like above from behind and then him landing on the ground on the other side and you're like, why is this? Oh, because he's actually a, a, an aging man. Yeah. Who probably can't do that at the same rate and then continue what like it's ridiculous. Um yeah, so in John Wick, like any any cuts that you have in the action sequences are purely for it to look good. Purely yeah, yeah. stylistic or, you know, choices based on that rather than trying to, you know, hide cuts between stunt doubles coming in or hide cuts where the action wasn't good and they had to do a new take because they were able to just do these long takes and, and the performers had no problem doing them. It's it's really well done. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a moment about the worlds that these movies take place in. Yeah. Um, They're I both very comic booky. Yeah, they are very both comic booky. Um, Mandy, we don't know. Yeah. As the audience, you have no <laughs> clue because it is over stylized it's just in the mountains somewhere yeah um you know the 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 astral bodies are they like extra moons like is it just like a and it's only right at the ending right yeah it it reminds me of yes album covers it's very much like every shot in mandy could be an album cover yeah every single shot could be an album cover <laughs> it's like insane um i think it's ve- it's left very ambiguous but i think the implication is that we start off in the real world even though it is still very hyper realistic yeah um and this cult whatever the hell they're doing with their demon bikers that they can summon from somewhere the implication is that when red follows them to where they've come from. And I think it might be, I was watching it and I feel like it might be when he goes through that big long tunnel. Yeah. By the end of the movie, he's in hell. He has followed them into hell. Yeah. It is very, like, I know Prisoners of the Ghostland is a newer movie, Mm -hmm. but it just reminds me a lot of the Prisoners of the Ghostland transitions. Yeah. I mean, Color Out of Space as well. Yeah, yeah. Another Spectre Vision, Nick Cage. Yeah. um, Collaboration. Uh, and again, is very hyper realistic. But that one is—I mean—that's literally based on a Lovecraft story. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be weird. Yeah, Technicolor dread and all its flavors. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mandy, I think Mandy is a beautiful film. Uh, it is. There is a lot of blood and a lot of gore. Yeah, and <laughs> a lot, lot of violence. Very disturbing scenes. Yeah. Um, but it's so well made and so well shot. That I think, yeah, I genuinely think it's a beautiful film. John Wick, mm-hmm. um, on the same notion of world building, yeah. is very interesting. Because um, minor spoilers for the sequels, but very minor, and, and you'll understand why I mean this. So, once John Wick's back and he digs up his um, gold coins in, in his suitcase full of weaponry he goes to the hotel called the continental Mm -hmm. continentals run by a friend of his Mm -hmm. and you know everybody knows john wick and there's like you know there's a lot of um you know uh, uh, respect given 
Um, that's where my boy um, Lance, Lance is there. Mm -hmm. God rest his soul. Um, it's such a weird... So it's like a normal hotel, but everybody in there is like assassins and hitmen. Um, you go through the back rooms and then you get into... You have to use a gold coin to go into the bar. And there's a live stage and all the assassins are hanging out and drinking. And there's like rules that if you break them, you get killed. And uh, we find out in the later ones that there's multiple of these locations around the world and they're own managed by different people. And, right. Um, so it's like a big organized crime, like Guild of Calamitous Intent level mm. sort of, you know, um, Justice League, you know, sort of weird network thing going on. And it is, um, it is a very interesting, because people on Reddit have been trying to figure out how much the coins have been worth. Yeah. And it's, it's confusing because, you know, disappearing 12 dead people, aka making a dinner reservation. Yeah. Um, he pays them with coins yeah. and it's like one coin per person. person. And then when, um... When he when one of the fellow assassins tries to kill him for four million dollars, he like pays one of the other clients in the hotel a, a coin to look after her. Yeah. And but at the same time, it's like a coin to stay for two nights. Mm -hmm. So the weird, weird like economy, like what is that actually worth? Like, yeah. If it costs X amount to disappear a dead body, but also X amount to stay in a hotel mm -hmm. with a private doctor that won't ask questions and also give you prescription drugs. You and know. where you're, like, in neutral grounds for yeah, that no other one can, assassins won't yeah. do business. You know, it's a very interesting world they've built within just this, like, tiny concept of, like, yeah. instead of having them pay with, like, actual money, have them pay with these special gold coins, and mm -hmm. then, like, obviously there's more, more expansion in the, the sequels, but, like... It's so weird. And even, there's even like a scene, because I mean, I don't know anything about this yeah. you know, expanded universe of it, but there's this, the sequence where, um, you know, the crime boss or whatever sends a whole lot of people to kill him and he kills them all in his house. Yeah. And a police officer shows up, a police officer shows up and says there's been a noise complaint and he sees the dead body inside and he's like, oh, I didn't know you were working again. And he's like, oh, I'm just clearing yeah. a few things up. And he's like, okay, have a good night. And it's, it's just like, how... Like, I love that interaction because it's just like, evening, John. Evening, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. You working again, John? <laughs> nope. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> you have a good night, Jimmy. Like, that's it. And it's like a police officer with, like, the, the red and blues going and you're just like, oh, okay. So does he live in a, like, supervillain neighborhood? Like, what? Yeah. or are the cops just paid off? Like, do they have a list of, like, places that they send Jimmy to? Or... Yeah. And there's a bunch of other people that get paid off randomly through the movie, and you're like... Even, um, because the directors have acknowledged that, you know, if this was in a, in a like, real-world setting, this retired assassin probably would have changed his name when, yeah. he, when he stopped working as an assassin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a very James Bond-esque thing. Yeah. Um... So they're both, yeah, so both films are kind of in a... Sub-reality. Yeah, sub-reality, altered reality yeah. situation. Um, very graphic novel -y, I'd say. Maybe more so than comic book. I have a question for you, and yep. I want you to an honest, honest answer from you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to watch the John Wick sequels? 
I mean, I wouldn't, um, like, I wouldn't be... Adverse? Yeah, I wouldn't be adverse to it, and I also wouldn't be, like, immediately, I'm not like, whoa, I really need to see the sequels right now, you know? Because <laughs> um, those are my thoughts. My thoughts are, when you're working, I'm going to be watching your work. <laughs> Um, no, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll watch the, the sequels with you if you want, but, Sorry. um, yeah, I think it, for me it would be largely because Keanu Reeves is just so good in it. Yeah. Um, you know, his performance is so good that I'd be quite happy to watch him do that again. Um, but I'm not like, I mean, if there was, if you told me there was another movie like Mandy, I'd be like, hell yeah, sign me up, let me, get me, go watch it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, unfortunately there really aren't. Uh, I mean, Color Out of Space is probably the closest you get. But um, that's the whole thing with Spectre Vision is that they, if if someone else is doing it, they don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, their whole, <laughs> their whole shtick is making very unique films and pretty much entirely in the horror genre, I think. Um, I don't think 100% of the horror genre, but they're definitely, that is that is where, where they're, you know, their beginnings are and where their passion lives. Yeah. Um, it's the thing because, like, horror as a genre, um, we went through the phase of, like, the American teen... Because, you know, I used to listen to the, the Horror Number 9 podcast yeah. like when I was w- working at night and... Um, you know, I got ended up catching up to all the episodes and being like, I haven't seen that movie, I haven't seen that movie, I haven't seen that movie, so I haven't listened to a lot of the recenter ones or, you know, ones in between where I've missed them. Um, but we did go through, the like, this renaissance of, like, teen scream horror movies, mm-hmm. and that lasted, what, over a decade? Because mm. it came, like... You know, I remember watching... Me, if I was going to pick a genre of horror movie... For yeah. me, it's science fiction. Right. I don't like the horny teenagers stabbing each other. I want, like, horrors from outer space or from the bottom of the ocean or from another dimension yeah. beyond our understanding, ripping people to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my horror genre. Um, I like Alien. I like, you know, um, Black Hole. I like, you know, uh, Event Horizon. Yeah. Sphere, you know, uh, underwater. Um, that's you know, that's my genre. Yeah. Um, the psychedelic horror, which is obviously very limited. There's, you know, we've named two in this podcast, but I can't think of a third one off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're questioning your own, the characters questioning where they are in, in in the universe, rather than just like, you know, I'm a horny teenager who got, you know, roped into taking their top off with a contract PG-13. Oh no, a murderer with a funny mask you could buy from a Halloween store stabbing me. I'm definitely, I'm I'm very much a psychological thriller person. Yeah. I I like, you know, horror thrillers that make you really think. um, More so than just like, here's a jump scare, here's a jump scare, here's a jump scare, you know. Um... But yeah, no, I I do enjoy horror. I do, I probably haven't seen there's like a whole lot of classic horror that I still haven't seen. Yeah. Um, I you know maybe should at some point, but um, yeah, I feel like I need it to be an interesting story or an interesting filmmaking choice maybe to yeah. to um to be really drawn into it. 
Um, like I recently watched um, The Night House and the, what drew me into that, well first of all, um, Rebecca Hall's in it, I think she's fantastic, but what drew me into wanting to watch that was I had seen so much about how they did practical effects, Yeah. and it was not, not like, I don't mean practical effects as in like, it's here's a spooky ghost, but it's all done practically. I mean that like, they made the house, they designed the house that she's in, so that like, if you turn the camera in a certain way, the architecture looks like there's a face looking at you, you yeah. know? So she's just walking through her house, and the way the camera turns, it's like, oh shit, there's someone behind her, and it's like, oh no, it's just, it's just how that looks. So it just like messes with your head the whole way through. There is one I just thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the title of it. Was it o- Oculus? The one with the mirror. The one with the mirror, yeah. Um, with, yeah, it was called Oculus. Yeah. With, with um, I was going to say Amy Pond in it. What's her real name? I forgot. Uh, Gillian? <laughs> K- K- Karen Gillian. K- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that one with Amy Pond in it? Um, yeah, yeah. I saw that in cinema a long time ago. Because that's, that's a psychological horror. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that I'm into. Yeah. Um... Anyway, yeah, I think Mandy Mandy is definitely up my alley for horror. I don't know, it feels almost not horror, but it is it is definitely in into that weird psychedelic kind of um you know, especially there's so much drug use in it yeah. that you don't know what's real, what's being hallucinated. You know, are those bikers demons? Does Nicolas Cage become a demon by the end of the movie when yeah. he's when he's like, "I am your god," and like crushes a guy's skull? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it's very it it is left very ambiguous. Um, but it's just every single shot is so well done, and every line of dialogue is amazing. My favorite is like. You could have these special crossbow bolts that I made, only if you tell me what you're hunting. And Nicolas Cage turns to the guy and says, Jesus freaks. And he just goes, I didn't know those were in season, man. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like, oh, no hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, he has a lot of, Nick Cage has a lot of one-liners before he kills people as well, yeah. which, is, which is fun. Um, you know, um... And it's perfect. It is genuinely the perfect film for Nick Cage. Yeah. It is the perfect Nick Cage performance. Because you have, like, at the beginning, you have his, like, subtle acting, and you have him going through all these expressions of grief and anger and all that, and then you have him, like, totally high as a kite. Murdering people, yeah. But, like... T- that total insane like vampires kissed Nick Cage yeah. and then you have him turn into like this I don't even know what by the end of the film um, so you literally get like every single possible aspect of Nick Cage yeah, it's great. in one film and it's perfect um, and what's really funny to me is the director didn't want him to play that role because <laughs> conversely to John Wick like I said John Wick was written as a man in his 70s and they did. They were reluctant to have someone as young as Keanu Reeves play him. For Mandy, um, the character of Red was supposed to be in his twenties. I think he was supposed to be a young man. Yeah. And you know the the Jeremiah Sands was going to be old. That it was or you know older. It was going to be a kind of an old versus young yeah. thing. Um, and 
Elijah Wood, who we've mentioned was one of the producers on it, um, was working with, with uh, Panos Cosmatos, the director, to make this film. And he, at the same time, was starring in a little film called The Trust, <laughs> uh, which he is in with Nicolas Cage. And he said to Nick Cage, you know, Panos wants to meet you because uh, he wants you to play this character called Jeremiah Sand yeah. in this movie. And Nick Cage read the script and he said, this is fantastic. I want to be read. <laughs> <laughs> and Panos was like, mm, no, sorry. And, and, was, and they, that was the end of it because yeah. Nick Cage was like, I'm not being Jeremiah if I'm doing this movie, I'm being read. And then they kind of went their separate ways. And then Elijah Wood was like, just, let's just talk this <laughs> yeah, yeah. through. So Elijah Wood got them back in a room together. And Nick Cage was like, look, this is what I, this is the life experience that I want to bring to this role. Yeah. Um, and talked about the grief he experienced with losing his father. And at the time, he, his, he, had a, he had been married for 14 years. And that relationship had just ended very suddenly. Yeah. And he was like, I want to bring all of that and my life experience into this character. And I think you need someone who has this life experience to play this guy and to understand what he's going through. And and they talked it out and uh, Panos Cosmatos was like, actually, I can see where you're coming from with this and cast them as red. Um, but yeah, but, it, but it's like, it's perfect for him. Like, I, I don't think he would have been as good as Jeremiah Sand. No. As he is as red. I think it was a, it was a, it was a, the right decision to make <laughs> in the end. The um, performance that he gives um, throughout the movie is just, it's yeah, like you said, it's one of the best he's ever done. But yeah, the bringing up, um, bringing up a vampire's kiss just cracked me up. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, you hadn't seen it until I made you watch it recently. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh it's... no, I, I had a, it was on my Netflix list, I think for. Ages as like a I'll watch this eventually. You watch it eventually. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to it. It was a fun movie. Yeah, um, Linus's performance of Sand is absolutely fantastic. Yes. Um, his performances in most of the things I've ever seen him in have been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he does easily play the over you know, overly confident, cocky creep. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think the casting for him was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He had one one scene that he wanted to not do when he um when he accepted the casting. I can imagine what scene that was. <laughs> what do you think it was? When he like uh, Mandy's been drugged with um I don't LSD in her eyes and then stung by a giant hornet or something. Yeah, demon hornet. Um, and then. He puts the record on and everyone's just sitting around in this weird hazy thing and then he's like reveals himself to her with this robe that's yeah. like half Ziggy Stardust, half like you know, <laughs> sleeps in an oxygen tent to increase his sexual performance kind yeah. of material and you're um, like, Was it that sequence? Yeah, so uh, um they they ended up with a con- well actually to his credit, the director was like, We've cut it out entirely. Yeah. Um the just the exposure. So he was supposed to expose himself and then just start jerking off a bit of her. Yeah. Um. And he was like, "I'm really, you know, I I love this script, but I do I really have to do that?" And he was like, "Oh no, I just wanted you to know what kind of character he was. So we'll we'll cut that. You don't have to expose yourself. You don't have to do any of it." 
And then when they were in the process of filming, he said he was thinking about Margot Robbie in The Wolf of Wall Street. And she had said, um, you know, it's right for my character to do this, yeah. this, this thing. And he said, you know what, actually, this guy is such a creep. Yeah. It is right. Like, he would just do this. You yeah, know, and yeah. you, and you, the audience needs to know that he's going to just walk up to her and just show, just take out his dick. Yeah. Um, so he was like, can we do it and just not do the masturbation part? And they were like, yeah, no, no worries. So that's why he did. I mean, it is, it does look, it is implied that he does then do that. Yeah. But it's just shot from the, like, shoulders up. Um, but yeah, he so he did. He decided that it laughed. But they had said to him, you know, you don't have to do it. We'll cut it out. We don't yeah. have to, to do that bit, which is good of them to be caring about the actors. Um, but yeah, he he decided that it was it did actually make more sense for Jeremiah to do that because he's a creep. Yeah. <laughs> he's an entitled shitty creep who thinks he's the messiah. Yeah, it's a very. Very interesting. Everybody's very interesting characters because they do seem like, yeah, just like run-down cult members that have been following this guy around for ages. Mm. Not really doing anything. They built a chapel in the middle of a quarry. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. And the chapel's got like a weird dungeon at the bottom of it. <laughs> it's It's very odd. Yeah. Very gorgeous, odd movie. Yeah. Well written, well directed. Cinematography fantastic. Soundtrack's fantastic. Yeah, there's nothing... you got to hand it to the lighting guys, whoever they are as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think... I think there's very few movies that I have watched and thought, wow, the people who did the lighting did a great job of this. <laughs> like, it's not something you think about very often. Yeah. Um, but they really let them go ham on this one. Um, and post-production as well, obviously. All the VFX... Um, yeah, I, mean, I what, assume it's a similar team or some of the same team working on Color Out of Space then yeah. afterwards. Some some people Spectre Vision know. Uh, you wanted to move on to... Trivia. Trivia. I don't think box office is going to really matter on these two because I know which one wins yeah. hands down regardless of... <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, I feel like I've talked about a lot of the stuff... Um, the uh, so I I don't think I mentioned the the guy who did the music for Mandy um I, I, I have to try and remember in Icelandic do they use this I think they use like a Slavic J so I think it's Johan Johansson yeah that the, sounds like it is the um the composer's name he had died before the film was released so the film is dedicated to his memory um he died of a combination of I think it was cocaine and flu medication. Nice. Or something which obviously didn't mix. Um, so that's sad. But he was quite young, I think, when he died. Um, in his in his forties, I think. Um, the oh yeah, so Jeremiah Sand. They they have a lot of similarities between him and Charles Manson. Yeah. Your, your boy. Um, <laughs> sorry. My boy Charlie. Yeah. Your boy Charlie. I don't mean that as in you like him. I mean that as in you were very interested in in the story of, of yeah. you know the the stuff that went on with him. Um, so like apparently a lot of the, like quite a few mannerisms and things that he says that are that are based on on Charles Manson. Um, the credits, the titled card doesn't appear until an hour and fifteen minutes into the film. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Um, the 
Oh yeah, I already talked about that, I think. Um, so the, the I will talk about the budget and box office of, okay. of this just briefly because um, one of the facts I have is about that. Um, so the budget for Mandy was $6 million. Yeah. And in the box office, it made $1.6 million. Um, yeah. Which was way more than they expected it to make <laughs> because they knew what they're making. I expect your vision to know who their audience is, yeah, right? It's us. Yeah. Um, their audience, yes, it is you. Yeah. You are the audience. The people who buy the Blu-rays yeah. <laughs> are the audience. So they've done... I, I'll, I'll pause you for one second. I didn't just buy one copy of it. <laughs> I bought two. And I gave one to Floyd. Yeah. I rang him when I saw two copies of it in JB Hi-Fi. and was just like, hey, bro, did you ever find a copy of Mandy? And he was like, no, nah, it's sold out everywhere. I'm like, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that was their... And they apparently have made more than their budget back yeah. by a long shot in, in um, you know, in, in sales of uh, video on demand and, and physical copies. Um, but they ended up having to, like put on way more theatrical screenings than they had ever planned because there was a much higher market and a higher demand for it than they ever thought there would be. Um, so they had to extend the theatrical run by several weeks and rework their whole distribution model because they were, they were making more money at box office than they ever intended to. Um, so I thought, yeah, so they thought they would make literally like almost nothing yeah. at the box office and then make all the money back on the, the video on demand market. Um, so 1.6 million was actually a shock. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with John Wick, uh, since we were just talking budget and box office, I'll go into that. Budget was $20 million and the box office was uh, $86 million, yeah. which is pretty significant. I mean, it's not, like, ridiculous It's not numbers. Disney money, but yeah, it's still, but it's... like, if you're making a labor of love movie with your mates to give them a job, yeah. and it makes back you know, four times what it cost you to make, you'd be just like, well, do you want to do this? And, yeah. You know, again. Um, and I mean, they didn't, I don't think they had to spend a lot of budget because a, a lot of times the budget will just be for making the film and then and on top of that will be the marketing. Yeah. And I don't think they had to spend a lot of marketing. They actually changed the title of the film um, because the film was going to be called Scorn, I think. Right. But Keanu Reeves kept referring to it as John Wick. Yeah. And um, the marketing people were like, listen, Keanu Reeves repeatedly calling it John Wick is doing about $5 million worth of free advertising yeah. for you, so we're changing the name of the film to John Wick. <laughs> I'll tell you the best piece of advertising it was what? that I got involved in. So, back, because I previously mentioned Payday 2, mm -hmm. you could play as John Wick. Two days before the film came yep. out. Yeah. So, guess what DLC I bought for that, and that would have helped with them, because I was just like, cool... I get to play as John Wick and I get to wear sunglasses instead of a clown mask. And yeah, yeah. I get, like, black leather gloves instead of, like, and I'm wearing a cool suit and, you know, all this, that, and the other thing. Mm. Like, Ron Perlman's got one. There's so many DLCs for that game. Right. Um, that have helped with, like, you know, obviously popularity of, of things. Um, yes, Ron Perlman does play an old biker man. Um, it'd be great if he played Hannibal Kane, but that's... Hannibal Kane, Hannibal something. Whoever his character was is in um, Pacific Rim. But yeah, no, the yeah, it it did having Keanu be Keanu. It really does help with marketing. Yeah. Just by him being himself. Like, look at Cyberpunk for an example. You know, that your breathtaking thing, him being on stage. You know, wake up samurai, we've got a city to burn. Without any of that, the hype train would have been. Yeah, a yeah. lot slower 
unfortunately what it did to the, the company who made it. Mm. You know, but there's a lot of controversy about The Witcher at the moment, so that's sort of digressed that whole uh, yeah. issue. Um, I feel like I've actually covered a lot of the trivia I had about John Wick. Um, one of the things I mentioned that obviously Nick Cage and Mandy drew on a lot of personal stuff for, um, you know, playing Red. Yeah. I think most people know what Keanu Reeves' kind of backstory is, but if not, um, he did draw on his personal experience um, for playing, you know, the role of a grieving widower um, because his his girlfriend had died in a car accident in 2001. Yeah. Um, I think it was two years after she they'd, um, had a, a stillbirth when they were, when, when she was pregnant with his child. Um, and... Yeah, so I think that's been a huge part, obviously, of Keanu Reeves' life, and he used that that experience with grief to channel into into this film. Mm. Um, so both, you know, both of our actors are doing are taking. I mean, I, I feel like, I don't want to trivialize Nick Cage's marriage ending, but I feel like yeah. Keanu Reeves is a bit more close to um, to what happened. Um, yeah, I think... Oh, yeah, the only other bit I think that I haven't covered is uh, Marcus, played by Willem Dafoe, when they have the, the scene where he's in his home and they come to visit him. Yeah. Um, apparently, there was a lot of debate and discussion about what he would be like at home, and Willem Dafoe was very confident, saying, I see me in a bathrobe, juicing. <laughs> and that's what they ended up <laughs> going with. Um, so I like that that's just come from... Willem Dafoe being like, yeah, this is what he'd be doing. Um, just, just, I just because I just remembered it. The uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is that both of these movies, for some reason, involve our protagonists burning down churches. Yeah. <laughs> because in John Wick, the church is a front for the um the Russian mob. I guess they are. Is that yeah. they are? Um, and he burned, and it's where they're holding their stash of cash. So he burns it all down. And in Mandy, it's where he, you know, has his final confrontation with Jeremiah Sand yeah. and burns it after him and then drives off into this abyss with multiple moons behind him and yeah. the ghost of his dead girlfriend in the car next to him. <laughs> As you do. It's such a good, it's such a weird, that's so good. Yeah. What's funny is that I feel like we've, we've given a lot of spoilers and yet I don't think we've spoiled either movie. Yeah. I think... Like, you can know what we've said in these episodes and then still go see these movies and thoroughly enjoy them. Yeah, because it's visual and it's it's the it's your senses being brutalised <laughs> rather than being like, then he goes here, then he does this, then yeah. this happens. It's 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 very much like it's a it's an experience rather than rather than, you know, yeah, and the, like I said, the dialogue is fantastic in yeah. Mandy. The performances are great in both films. Um, the choreography is great in both films and the, the cinematography. Um, yeah, these are both very good films. Yeah. And this this episode, by the way, grew out of, because I'm <laughs> thinking of it, we originally joked, I think, that we were going to do John Wick and Pig. Yeah. Um, and then we were like, oh, we could do Pig and Mandy. <laughs> And then we suddenly were like, actually, Mandy and John Wick is probably a, yeah, a yeah. better comparison, even though one of them is, you know, avenging the the, the death of a dog, and the other one's avenging the death of his wife or his girlfriend. 
Um, but the, you know, the dog is obviously symbolic of, of, it's the last thing he has from his wife. One of my favorite memes that came out from John Wick was, um, you know, Thanos' snap. Spoilers yeah. for, you know, MCU, if you haven't <laughs> seen it. Um, what, yeah, one of the things is like, uh... Thanos, uh, the snap killed John Wick's dog. <laughs> it's just like, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that. We haven't mentioned our boy, John Leguizamo's in oh, John yes, Wick. Of He's so good. Yeah. He filmed all his scenes in one day. Yeah. Um, he, he comes was... back for two. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, he's so good. I just love that they like rock up when they're like, oh, you know, change the plates in this car. And he's like, where the fuck did you get that yeah. car? And then he's just like, get out of here. And he hits Alfie Allen. And then they're like, oh, what's, you know, what's Vigo going to say about this? And he's like, he's going to understand it. And yeah. then Vigo rings him and it's like, why you, hit, do you, my son. you hit my son. And he's like, yeah, he stole John Wick's car and shot his dog. And he's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> hey, John. Um... <laughs> About your dog being dead and your car and my son. Um, that's pretty professional. Dude, dude, dude. Oh my god, my son's gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the spoiler. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Um, you can find us. I don't know at this point. We, we are recording in advance. I don't know if you can find us on Twitter. I don't know if Twitter exists anymore. <laughs> I Twitter do know, is a dumpster fire. I do know that I'm rec we're recording this episode on the same day that the Twitter app on my phone changed to the rebranded re X app, and I immediately, instinctively uninstalled it. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that we will be on Twitter by the time this comes out. But I don't even have Twitter on my phone. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Oh, we're I on do. Tumblr. We're on. Uh, I was going to say we're on Reddit. We're not really on Reddit. I sometimes post on Reddit just on my personal account. Uh, we're on YouTube. We have a Discord. So join our Discord service. Probably the best, best way to get in touch with us. Um, or just go to our website. It takes nz, Or check all the links in our show notes for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Stay safe out there. Away from killer Russian gangs and weird psychedelic sex cults. Goodbye.